This week on Invasion of the Podcast, Star Wars Rebels gets some more Jedi. And we give you a PSA on the OA. And it's Nicolas Cage's birthday. You don't say. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we're taking over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul. Here, eat this bird for no reason, Stedman. And to my left is Joe, the sixth movement, Peters. <laughs> I thought you were just going to be like, Paul, P.S. Stedman. And then, yeah. <laughs> the P.S. Stedman. The, the P.S. And, and Joe, then Joe, the, the J.P. JP. Peters. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, we're going to talk about the OA. Um, I, I, um, if you guys saw, saw our Facebook post before the show, I, I'm warning you in advance we're going to spoil it. But um, I don't... <laughs> I'm okay with this, and we'll get to it later. Yeah, like, so. I, like, I, I feel like some people might listen to the show and just be like, well, the way that they feel about it, um, I guess it doesn't matter if it gets spoiled. Because I did talk to a couple of my friends, and they were like, you know what, if you have that strong opinion about it, then go ahead and just tell me everything. They didn't care. But I kind of <laughs> want you to kind of formulate your own opinion. So hopefully you listen to this after you watched it, Yeah, and you're okay. <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk about it in full. Um, so just full spoiler warning ahead of time. Yeah. Do you know why they are called spoilers? Yeah, so we'll get to that later. So real quick here before we get into the news, I just want to mention um, uh, it is now 2017, uh, last weekend of the year. Uh, we decided to go uh, to the AIW Wrestling Show here in Cleveland. That stands for Absolutely Intense Wrestling. Yeah. Um, Joe has been to actual like pro house shows before. Yeah, I've like, been to um, WWE pay-per-views and Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, and I, I've only been to one other uh, AIW show. And I was like, you know what? These guys are a local promotion. I think it's a fun it's it's a fun product. They they know exactly where they are in terms of like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how to interact with the audience and they and they obviously want to put out a good product, but they also know they're like, you know, when you when you're walking out on a stage that's in the corner of a gymnasium, like you, you know where you are. Like yeah. there, there's no it's you know, it's definitely not a I don't want to say a spectacle, but like it's it, it turned into one later. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I mean they, they work with what they got. I, I would recommend anybody even if you're not a wrestling fan, to go check one out because it's it's interesting to be more in the thick of it. Like every time I go to like the big WWE shows, you know, tickets are exuberant, exuberantly high, and you, you really don't sit anywhere close unless you're playing like three to four hundred dollars to be like ringside. Yeah. So you know, it was twenty bucks to get in. Um, what was it at Our Lady Mar- Mount Carmel? It was, it was 20 to get in there. It was there. 20 to get in. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, every seat was a good seat. You know, Everything was ringside pretty much. Uh, and, you know, some of the matches were, were okay. Some were really cool. So, I mean, it gives you – and it also, like, if you're one of those people who are like, I can't stand wrestling is fake, go to one of these shows and tell me that, yes, it is fake, but tell me that that is not fake because I, I sat or I stood three feet from two guys – slapping and punching each other and the the sheer sound 
and 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 it, sight. It, it, it's a sound that's deep inside you that that hurting. Like oh like, yeah, <laughs> like you hear that smack. And I mean, there is yes, they do have to pull it a little bit, but there's not really a way to kind of fake some of that. So um, definitely go check it out. It was fun. Yeah, I just the last match ended up like basically being in the entire gymnasium, going around the ring. Yeah, it spilled out into the crowd, <laughs> and it was interesting. Because we we got we got front row seats immediately. We didn't realize we we're getting yeah, front row like, seats. Yeah, these guys literally were throwing down like like two feet from me and Paul, and like you know security was pushing everyone back, and it was kind of cool. You're like you're just. And like, I'm glad oh. I moved my jacket because the one guy was bleeding badly through his elbow, yeah. and he there's blood everywhere, and uh, you know. Yeah, I got blood all over the other guy's jacket that was yeah. behind you. Yeah, uh, but you know, it was like, like the, I'll say this. Yeah, we like wrestling's fake in the sense of the outcomes are predetermined. You know, and these guys have to work together and put on a good show. But still, you see some of the moves that they they do and some of the things they land, and you can't tell me that there's not a a, a percentage of that is pain at yeah. times. You know, oh, like yeah. some of that has to some of that has to smart, and you know, and they know it's coming too. Well, some of it too, like when they put together a lot of those moves, it's like it's it takes two people to do the moves so you don't kill someone. Yeah, you know, like I was telling my fiance, I was like, that was weird seeing people get pile driven. Because that's an illegal move in the WWE. Because like Vince McMahon doesn't want anyone to do that. Because you can literally kill someone with that. Yeah, and that's by, how Stone Cold, like his career, pretty much a got lot of shortened people had their of that. career yeah. shortened because you're dropping someone on their legitimate head. A lot of a lot of moves where you see somebody get dropped on their head, like a DDT or something like that. The opponent's back hits the mat before the person's head hits. But with DD or with a pile driver, you're pretty much sitting down with somebody's head, and their life is in your hands. Yeah. So that's kind of an, like an illegal move in a sense where I know it sounds silly, like oh, it's an illegal move. <laughs> no, it, it, you can get you fired because you could kill someone with it. But it was crazy seeing these people do it because they're comfortable with the other person doing it. Plus, I mean, well, plus also it is since it is one of those like taboo things you don't see on. The, like you know like a wwe or whatever it's yeah. like this is why you come to those shows because you might see something that you don't see like we saw the one guy do the double ddt that double uh, ddt was really cool i didn't even see that coming yeah it was it was fun and the one guy pulled a weird mortal Kombat luke hang move where he was spinning around and kicking five guys it was, no, it was yeah like, it yeah was he, weird. he did like this wall run around like a, a, like like it was a fatal four-way match yeah. and like two like three three guys were in the ring or no five guys and this guy like basically ran up and wall ran across the chests of these three guys. Like it, it, cool. it was fast enough to be like, oh, that's kind of neat, but it wasn't fast enough to believe that it was actually like, well, oh, you thought of doing this right now. But put but to put that in a like a little bit of perspective, it's like that move would not work unless the other guy was leveraging him right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's absolutely. what people I think don't understand because they're like, oh, that's ridiculous. That guy couldn't do that. You can't walk off of people like that. No, but if you have a person holding you up and kicking your feet, that's basically how that works. But when it gets pulled off. It's choreographed, very cool. Yeah, so shout out to AIW, fun show. I plan on going back to another one. I, you know, it's just it's. I, I I've spent twenty dollars on way less entertaining yeah. uh, times. Oh, yeah. You know, so and it's just it's just like you go have a good time, don't overthink it, and you appreciate the people putting their body on the line. It's a good it's a good time. So yeah. that's our um, <laughs> it's, that's our, our that's our wrestling segment. Our weekend that we, <laughs> segment, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there there's that. So yeah. Anyway, on to news. everyone good news this week this yeah, week nobody's not, dead <laughs> well i mean with the, one one person like you mentioned the sheriff from uh oh uh, yeah the, the like, night of living dead night of living, i think he was 81 i don't remember his yeah. name did he come back 
Did he die? And then it's like, oh might, no, he might have got double tap that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, 2017. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Taking old actors for movies worst, from the 60s. Worst year ever. <laughs> Who will protect us from the zombies? Uh, so, um, uh, Star Wars Rebels, which has been a new Star Wars cartoon series that spun off out of Clone Wars and the Disney XD network, and it basically tells the story of what's kind of going on between episode three and four that seems to be a, a popular thing nowadays um but uh they've 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 announced characters in the show obviously you got uh well saw Gerrera from rogue one came out of clone wars but they're putting him in uh rebels like he's going to be a reoccurring car- character in rebels voiced by forrest wicker uh and then you've got like a couple other characters um like uh Ahsoka Tano came back. Um, you got Darth Maul actually somehow came back. Um, they, they haven't Only got part rid- of them, though. Yeah, they haven't got rid of Darth Maul. Um, <laughs> just the top half. Of, like, wouldn't it be terrible as the bottom half of Darth Maul just showed up just like legs? <laughs> the legs. Just running around, just like just kicking people angrily and then yeah. running away. Uh, and then Vader's in it. Um, but uh, they just announced that Obi-Wan Kenobi's going to be in it. And um, not, not uh, young Kenobi, but he's going to actually look like Alec Guinness. I mean, it's animated, of course, but... They're going to bring him into the Rebels uh, storyline. If only, can, can they get Ewan McGregor to voice him? They probably won't. They'll probably get the guy that did the Clone Wars. Uh, oh, well, that, that makes sense. Because he's, yeah. he's kind of a he's kind of an established voice actor. Yeah. And everybody really likes. I think, like, the Clone Wars Kenobi definitely helped set the stage for making Kenobi cooler than he, he already was. Because you got yeah. to see him be more of a, um, a, more of a Jedi, more of a cool guy, more of a... Um, like I guess I don't know, an upstanding Jedi. Like, I mean, he he's the last one standing at the end, right? So I mean, yeah, right. So yeah, that's cool. I I think that right now that's one of those characters that there's a lot that you can flesh out and people still be interested. Just like people want Vader, I think more Obi Wan's not a bad thing. No, uh, so that's. I cool. think if it's done in moderation, it's fine. Yeah, um, you know, like, yeah, give us new characters, new stories, of course. You know, but well, the new characters I like a lot. You know, and I mentioned on the the Rogue One podcast that they definitely nodded to those in the movie, so it was very cool. You know, to see their ship, the Ghost, in the fight on uh, Scara, and to you know to hear them mention uh, Hera during the Overcom talk when they're they're looking mm-hmm. uh, for General. I think it's probably her last name, Sedula or something like that. But um. You know, I think it's really cool that that tra- that they're able to transition that. You know, those little Easter eggs. So it's cool to have it reversed. You know, yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. Uh, like, um, yeah. Anyway. So and then um, moving on, we got uh, uh, Mass Effect Three uh, or Mass Effect Three. <laughs> Mass Effect Three Mass been announced Effect, for six years ago. Yeah, <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, I've said three because it's coming out March twenty first, which is my birthday. So everybody knows what to get me for my birthday now. Yay! Um, and then. Uh, they they finally announce a date, which is kind of exciting because it's only a few months away. I was like, what am I going to get Joe then, which he can play a female and then seduce anything? And I'm like, I'm glad that that's coming out because you know, I'm gonna seduce rocks, yeah, just like or trees or planets, like, planets like, itself, hey, and be like, hey, yeah, planet, what up, planet? Yeah, um, you got to live resources. Th- that release date seems. I mean, it, it shouldn't surprise me, but it seems pretty soon, even though Andromeda's been talked about for a while. Yeah, like it, it, they, the game releases are always odd to me. Where I'm like, it's coming out in three months. I wasn't even thinking about that. I kind of like when they just drop some stuff on you. Like I, I think Rockstar is really good with that, where they're not like teasing Grand Theft Auto for like months and months and months. Like, yeah, Bethesda is good about that too. Yeah, Bethesda is another one. When they announced Fallout Four, it was like, here's everything we got. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like a 10 second, 30 second trailer. You know, where it was just like some people staring at the stars or some something weird, and then it's like <laughs> the logo hits, and you're just like. Oh, it's coming out. 
Like I feel Next like yeah. I feel like that's ridiculous to 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 spend money on a production to 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 send a message like that. I know it's advertising, but it's like like give me some meat and potatoes. Let me see some some action in the game. Let me let me know who who you got lined up. What or you know, are Krogans? Or you know who's there? Yeah. You know, it's like I want to know I want to know some details. Don't tell me anything until you got details. Or don't tell me anything at all. Just drop the game out and then I'll be surprised. Yeah. And so I think it's good, yeah. Now that like I think 3 months is a good window to get like enough information out there and get people hyped for it. Yeah. Not that like like this was already on your radar, but and this was been on my radar because since I wanted to finish three because I knew Andromeda was coming. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I've been aware of it, but like that's also the benefit of them not giving a release date until because you I mean especially with games, games more so than movies. Like you could be in the late stages and something could completely go wrong, or you might have an idea. That might change things, not significantly, but you know, you need time. That's why, like, uh, the South Park game was supposed to come out in December, but it's not coming out now until spring. I have a feeling they're like, you know what, we could polish this. And yeah. game release windows are way different than I think films. They, I, it's almost like if you miss your release date, then people are like, there's something wrong with the movie. It's not the same thing with yeah. games. You know, there's a lot of weird things that go into movie release dates, like competitiveness, like you don't want to release it with another movie, like Assassin's Creed surely thought it could take on Star Wars <laughs> and Underworld. I don't know how it thought it could compete with Underworld, but yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, you've got actor schedules and things like that. And, you know, just like, I, I, you know, I think some people finish movies and then they decide that they're like, it'd be better during a holiday season or something like that. Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, movie dates do change around, obviously, but it's not as in like, it wasn't like we were three months away from uh, from Rogue One. They're like, uh, March, like that, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. Because no, just, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure yeah. Disney was like. We have the ultimate franchise to to boost our fourth quarter. Like, yeah, and I think that the, the the not to go off that again, but the the Han Solo uh, prequel movie, they're now going to move it to a Christmas release. I think now, I think Disney's just like, all right, Christmas is Star Wars time. Yeah, it is. And, well, yeah, yeah. I think that's a little unfortunate. I I kind of liked, I kind of liked Star Wars in May. It was always in yeah. May. I mean, I, I I want to be excited and go outside and have a talk, not just be like, "All right, guys, I gotta go. I'm just gonna go freeze." It's up. cold. What did you yeah. guys think of that? Just gotta go cut up in the tauntaun. And then talk everybody about make, it. everybody's gonna be making hoth jokes every Star Wars movie now. <laughs> like, oh man, it's like got a got a bear hoth to go see the new oh, Star no, Wars. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I saw that like three times. Oh like. man. <laughs> All right. So okay. Uh, what's um, the last uh, and then last bit. Uh, Diablo turned 20. Uh, the video game... It leveled up. It leveled up. Diablo, the video game Diablo, If uh, I know a lot. We talk a lot about Blizzard, but... Um, We're doing good so far, people. We're talk, we talk about wrestling, Star Wars, and now, and now Blizzard. <laughs> and yeah, and video games, yeah. Yeah. And um, But uh, it turned 20 on December 31st. Uh, the game came out in 1997. And um, it was kind of like a unique... It was one of a kind at the time, but I've always kind of compared it to Gauntlet. If anybody's ever played the arcade game Gauntlet, have you played that? It's, have you played Gauntlet? Yeah, it's it's Gauntlet with without the constant putting quarters in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, upgradable equipment, but it is going and clear a whole bunch of monsters and it's, try to you know it's, try to survive. At its core, it is hack and slash. Yeah, there's there is a story to it. Um, it does have a rich story. Uh, you know, it focuses around um, you know, obviously Diablo, who's the main character, the main villain of the. Uh, uh, the game and you usually play it is the Spanish devil. That's yeah. who you fight. <laughs> He's a Mexican chicken. Yeah. You get there at the end and it's just this chicken with a sombrero. Uh, that's a Talladega Nights reference. But um, the uh, how do you defeat him? Magic man. Magic man. Yeah. Anyway, pooping rabbits out the back. Uh, <laughs> I could do a whole Talladega Nights cast. Oh, that'd be great. But um, the uh, 
the game like centers around you always play a, almost a nondescript hero like kind of like Gauntlet where you had the Valkyrie you had the wizard the yeah elf, archetypes archetypes you yeah. have warriors you have and they always kind of like start to expand on it every expansion and every um uh um like sequel. installment yeah installment because they're up to Diablo three and the, you know they've they've had Amazons witch doctors druids wizards warriors crusaders you know they they just they go all over the place monks um and you basically play one of these guys and you just you just chew through dungeons killing minions of hell trying to get to different uh demons and archetypes and diablo's got his own little like uh group of demons and there's everybody's kind of got their own thing like diablo's the lord of terror there's the lord of uh pain and suffering you know there's ball there's all these different guys but the yeah, lord of suffering keep, keep the feature presentation guys coming up soon yeah yeah right, but yeah. anyway uh <laughs> it turned 20 um blizzard did some cool anniversary stuff for it but i know there's a lot of people out there uh, that have probably played all kinds of different art incarnations of Diablo. Um, a lot of my friends who even aren't really big gamers can remember when Diablo or Diablo 2 was out. You know, they played Diablo 2 in college. That was huge. Uh, and then there's been spinoffs like Path of Exile. Um, what was Champions of Torchlight? Champions of Norath was Champions a fun, of Norath was was basically a f- Diablo two yeah. with like an EverQuest skin mm-hmm. on it. I still have that somewhere. That was a fun PlayStation two. It was an excellent and you, PlayStation. You could play it together with somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They even did. Um, there's a Marvel Heroes Online, which was supposed to be Marvel's MMO, but then uh, one of the developers from Diablo two was the the figurehead for it, and. It's literally Diablo 2 with Marvel Heroes. And I played Marvel Heroes more than I have ever played DC Online. Like, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's like if I want an MMO, I like this is just me. I have World of Warcraft. I don't need to go yeah. diving into like a whole other thing, but it's like there's something about that. Like, hey, I'm Hawkeye and yeah. I could do all this stuff and clear a room and I can have a group or not. Right. And it's like, and the whole thing, the, these hack and slashes, the, the, the itch it scratches is one always wanting more right either you're increasing yeah. your power or your abilities or your gear gear is always the dangling carrot and that's the thing you yeah. just you you'll do the same i just say the same repetitive hacking and slashing over and over again just for the chance to see something different pop up and make you a little bit better and unfortunately it does start to kind of cap off but i mean in that interim of like at least for me like a month or two where i play this game and i'm just like because they do different seasons in diablo so you start fresh then you go from one to I think it's like level sixty. Uh, the journey is fun because you're just like ah, I gotta get this piece. I gotta find this piece. Or I gotta find this belt. I gotta find this sword. Once I do that, that'll complete my set, and I'll have this new ability and blah blah blah. And it's a fun little adventure, especially if you have friends because you get bonuses. You work together. You know, there's synergistic abilities. Well, so. it's just interesting, and not to go too long about it because we again we could have a Blizzard cast every week. It seems like. Yeah. Uh, Diablo is Blizzard's idea. Not that I'm saying that they weren't the first, because I mean Dungeons and Dragons is like the first, like in terms of going, we're going to a Dungeon oh, yeah. Full Monsters Killer. Anybody things, who but, loves Dungeons and Dragons. And, and Gotla was there first. However, I feel like this was their like this is their stamp, right? Mm-hmm. And then everybody followed them and copied them. And then they looked at it and was like, well, we can do this better. And it kind of keeps feeding itself to where they make like yeah. a really polished game. As opposed to the rest of the stuff they put out where it's like, hey, they're doing something cool. We can do it better. Well, this is like I think this is their 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 initial. This is them, you know. Like it is them, but I also still feel like it's Gauntlet. You know what I mean? Well, like, no, they I, saw yeah. like I remember like I bet you Chris Metzen was like I love playing Gauntlet in the arcade. How can we make Gauntlet better? Yeah, that, so, that's true. But, um, but if, yeah, if you log into any of the Blizzard games right now, like Overwatch, they give you like little icons, player icons. Mm-hmm. I immediately switched to Diablo because yeah, like, yeah. and uh, there's other things going on in, in World of Warcraft as well. I think some of the enemies of Diablo are showing up there. They're oh, great. that's yeah. cool. Um, did you did you get that article I sent you about how Overwatch characters are showing up in World of Warcraft? 
No. You did, I thought I sent that to you. Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> brief aside, again, uh, at the Brawler's Guild, it's like the one-on-one combat thing they offer. They're sneaking in Overwatch characters with different names. Oh, okay. like, But it's basically them, like with just like, but with World of Warcraft-type names, and it's going to be the same attacks relative to World of Warcraft, huh. and you got to go one-on-one against them. That's cool. Yeah, like when there's Junkrat, it's like... Um, Oh, what was it? Something shrew. Like it's it's definitely like they still play on junk. <laughs> Trash rat. shrew. Trash shrew like that. Yeah. And they're gonna use the sound file of him laughing in there somewhere. And it's like that's cool. I love Blizzard. So anyway. There we go. Yeah. All right. So um that's it for news. Uh I don't we really don't have a sound bite. We used to have a sound bite, but I Well, I asked you if you wanted it. You're like, no, nah, I don't need nah, it. No, I don't really need a sound bite for it. Do you have it? We could play it. No. A robot. I got a robot. That'll work. Yeah. Um I haven't really talked about comics in a while because I haven't been reading comics because uh Money is how you say uh, is tight. Yeah, I can't. I can't afford comics. So um, he's been busking but, in the streets. But I, I did. I did manage to get through Civil War Two, which I'm sure if you guys have listened to the rest of the podcasts before, uh, I've lamented about Marvel having a hard time sticking to uh, scheduling. Um, and it finally finished up. It started in May uh, for their spring event, and surprise, surprise, 2017. And uh, they finish it off, and uh, if you want to hit the spoilers, if somebody's going to read this, I'm going to spoil it. Do you know why they are called spoilers? So they kill a couple people. Um, you, you lose. I like how you immediately jump into that. You're yeah. Like, spoiler alert. <laughs> everybody dies. I love people who are like, oh, crap. I got to fast forward. But like, oh, no. People are dead. <laughs> um, no. So uh, I can't believe they killed Ant-Man. Yeah. They kill, they kill War Machine. Uh, Rhodey's dead, and they kill Bruce Banner, uh, which is interesting. And... In a sense, because everybody knows the Hulk's unkillable, but apparently the Hulk figured out how to kill himself, and then had Hawkeye do it. Uh, and then um, at the end of it, the big climax, because Civil War One, obviously the climax was is that Captain America gets killed in the whole yeah. mess, and you're just like, oh no, Captain America! Everybody kind of thought that Iron Man was going to get killed. He kind of did, but then like Bendis wrote this kind of like twist thing where Beast is analyzing his body and. Uh, Beast is like, he's like, oh, he's manipulated his body with tech so much. He's not really dead, but he's kind of like in a cyber coma. And I'm just like, okay. So <laughs> technically, Marvel basically kind of oh. figured out how to kill Tony Stark without actually killing oh. him and coming up with some lame story to bring him back later. So Tony Stark will probably definitely be back. But for now, he's pretty much dead in the Marvel Universe. Um, all thanks to Captain Marvel, which I got to say, Civil War Two really shit all over Captain Marvel. For as big as uh, a female character that, that Marvel wants to push and they want her to be their Wonder Woman, they're not doing a very good job of it. Hmm. Um, because I feel like a lot of readers were very negatively polarized against Captain Marvel to the whole thing because she basically was the bad guy from Minor- Minority Report. Because uh, the whole thing with Civil War Two was um, you had an inhuman who could predict the future, and then all these events did come true, and Captain Marvel wanted to use that inhuman to pre pre arrest or stop people before that actually happens. I like as you're talking about this, you're moving your hands like you're moving a magic eight ball I the am, entire just, time. Like, well, it's like, ah, well, I don't know. Like, I look not so clear. She's was, like, it's not so clear. <laughs> but I mean. For a, I love Brian Michael Bendis, but this is kind of was a little disappointing. It was mediocre storyline at best. I think they were going off of the the coattails of the movie, and then also trying to get the readers to buy into the another event with the same name, like they did with Secret Wars. Yeah, and it just didn't the, work. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, you know how you kill the Hulk? How you have Ang Lee direct the movie? Oh, yeah, All right, anyway. good one. <laughs> All right, enough about that. All right, let's uh, let's get this fun train going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
And now for our feature presentation. I will I will start this off by saying Joe texted me. He's like, Paul, did I? Or did you text? I think you texted me because you're I like, I think I did. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, have you ever heard of the show The OA? And you're like, yeah. I was thinking about watching it, and I and it was like, I was like, I don't know what to do. I like, I like, I really want to talk to my friend about this show because I know we have similar views. But then I was like, I kind of don't want to put him through it. You're you're conflicted. You're you're like you're like in the ring where it's like. I know Paul will die if he watches this, <laughs> yeah. but I know I won't die but if then, Paul watches this. <laughs> no, I was going to say, but then if we're both dead, we just hang out and play Overwatch all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, you know. But uh, yeah, no. It, so I, the OA was rec- recommended to me <laughs> by a, a friend who uh, they yeah. they have questionable taste. I mean, they're they're definitely all over the place with what they like in terms of like gaming and and movies and TV and things like that. And then they usually have a very, I don't want to say open mind, but a very receptive palate. Oh, I'd say open mind. Yeah. Like, they, like so, and that's, but that's commendable. I was told, I was told, Hey, did you watch the OA? I was like, no, I haven't watched it. I didn't hear about it. And actually at the time, the show was literally seven days old. Like I think it came out December 16th on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, very sneakily too. I don't even think they did like a trailer or, or any type so of major average. What happened was they announced the show a week before it came out mm-hmm. with a trailer. So there was no, talking it wasn't this. a build-up yeah and they and they were trying to be like check out this mysterious thing and be, yeah so so the this is this is the almost the exact words it was told to me you should watch the oa because it's like stranger things but for adults and i was like okay i'm like i don't understand what that means like adults like you know is it like hardcore or like is it really like violent is there a lot of like you know dark gruesome stuff is there is there porn like what what well, is how one is this, of the, one of those is right yeah how is this for, for adults so um i started it up and uh <laughs> you know i think this is a jumping in point for paul like when, when when i don't know how you felt like i i watched the first episode and the first i want to say at least you know before we get too deep into it the first two ep- first two or three episodes i was kind of like my curiosity was peaked yeah. Because I understand a lot of shows like Stranger Things, even Westworld, uh, Lost, I compare to a lot. Like a lot of those shows will be like, here, here's, we're going to spatter some questions for you. And I bet you can't wait to get those answers. And I'm like, yeah. So that's where I was about third episode. Then it slowly kind of dawned on me. I started like, you know, it's like, I'm not getting my answers, but I'm going to start dissecting the show. And then it was just like, oh, no. Like, oh no! The OA became the oh no, the oh no. So, so. but so then I will say you you kind of when you you told me like listen you need you need to watch this because <laughs> I I have I have issues like I, I you know you you were more graphic than that talking about it but um I I was already kind of colored coming in knowing that oh Joe didn't like this so either we're gonna line up pretty close to each other or be completely opposite which yeah. feels like that's what happens sometimes that's what I felt was gonna happen I was like I was like Paul's either gonna agree with me and hate this or he's gonna love it and then and it's just gonna be like ah eh, okay for a brief second I thought about just playing the card of acting like I loved it the entire time and coming in <laughs> and just having you just be flabbergasted and be like what's going <gasps> on but I, I think I'm gonna come on the, over to actually I'm getting to Batman vs Superman territory of hating I think I hate this more than you do. For a lot of reasons, right? Uh, so let's let, for before we go to what we hate, let's let's basically it's it's a story of a girl, sorry, a woman who she was gone like she's like in her late twenties now or mid twenties. She thinks um, she's twenty eight, something like that. Uh, the timeline gets a little hinky, but yeah. uh, she left home like she went missing, and suddenly she's back because she was trying to commit suicide off a bridge 
uh, somewhere. And because her image was on TV, her family found her because they had no idea where she was. They go to the hospital and say, the, you know, this is our daughter. And the girl wasn't telling anybody anything. And then they have this moment of like, oh, it is our daughter. And they're like, how can she see again? Yeah, you should probably mention she was blind. That's like the whole thing is like you didn't know until that yeah. that point that she yeah. had been raised. She, she was blind. She was blind. She went missing for seven years, came back, has her sight. But uh, a lot of and scars on her back. Scars on her back. Won't tell anybody what happened. No, nobody. Yeah. Um, and, and then, so then she goes and uh, it goes back home. Is trying to get on the internet, which that to me is also kind of funny because it's like she's using her computer. This is the only thing in the show that actually makes sense to me. Her old, her old uh, Apple computer that she had when she left was still there, and as she's typing, it's basically talking to her. And I'm like, for a second, I'm like, why is it doing that? I'm like, oh yeah, she was blind. So the computer, that's why I was talking, because it was saying things out loud to her, because yeah. she was blind. You know, so the computer actually, she never disabled I just, it. I just thought it was one of those settings, like when people don't know how to use technology and they get it turned on, because <laughs> I used to, I used to help people, to the internet. I used to help people with their phones and they would come in and be like, I, I can't get turn back, or talk back turned off. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, how long has that been like that? Well, I couldn't figure it out. So I just left it like that for like two or three months. I'm like, <laughs> Really? Yeah, like that's so, what I, that's that's where my meant, my mind went. For some reason, she wanted to get on the internet, and she just couldn't get on the internet. And her family was worried about her. She wasn't telling her her parents what happened. Uh, and then for some reason, uh, she goes wandering around this neighborhood, which is a, a nice developed community to a point where there is a house in the back of all this like gated community type of thing that's not finished because you get the idea. I think this thing was shot in Michigan. I get, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Well, yeah. It, it, they said they're in Michigan. Okay. And so there's one house that's unfinished, but she wanders in. There's a bunch of teenagers in there that are buying drugs off of this angry guy with a dog. And then she's like, can I get your Wi-Fi password? It's like, that's not how you do that, you know, but she was trying yeah. to internet talks, this drug dealer, drug dealers, like get away from me. Uh, I'll stick my dog on you. The dog goes to bite her, and then she calms the dog down. Didn't she bite the dog? I Did she, she bite the dog? I thought, it looked I like she bit the dog. Probably bit the dog. I don't know. I don't know. But the dog the dog actually successfully bit her. Yeah. So um, some reason, they, this causes her to cross paths with uh, these high school people. Yeah. So it like, and these are going to be like the main characters. And, and this is like kind of like, I guess, the introduction in a Stranger Things sense where you've got like this odd group out of kids where but they're not friends they just happen to live in the same community right yeah. and, and their only connection is uh they live in the same community and they work with the same drug dealer who is this little shit of a high school kid that um i i don't understand i understand what they were trying to do but it just did not su successfully pull nope. off for me of ever trying to feel sorry for this kid because he lives with uh, he has a troubled life and things like that um so the the drug dealer kid his name is steve I couldn't tell you the other characters' names. You had, uh, you had the um, uh, the, the transgender kid. Buck was was Buck. Uh, his name. I, okay, I remember Buck. And then she was, it was tran transitioning from a girl to a guy. Yeah. So she, so he went by Buck. Yeah, because didn't didn't the, the parents were arguing the dad about called you know, Michelle. Yeah, and then um uh and then there was the, the jock. Uh, the overachiever kid. Well, he's Alfonso. not really a jock. He was uh he yeah. was like an overachiever. Yeah, kid. Alfonso. So and I don't you, know why I remember these names. But you meet those. Is that? Wasn't there? Was there one more kid? Yeah, that was the stoner kid. I can't remember his name. Oh yeah, he had the, he had the haircut like the kid from Stranger Things with no teeth, because he had like that bowl cut, like that weird oh, like yeah. yeah. But yeah, so you anyway. meet these four kids, and and this is kind of like the mishmash. Like, so then everybody kind of witnesses or calm this dog down, which I don't really. It wasn't really that amazing. So no, no. Um, then she goes on to especially if you bite the dog and the dog calms down, <laughs> like the dog's probably like shit. What bit me? Like you know. <laughs> 
Oh no! Am I going to? Am I? You know? Am I now going to be a lame character for eight episodes? <laughs> dogs, like, the dog's like, that's what I do. What you can't take that away yeah. from me. Uh, but so then I'm she, the do. Gee. So then she decides that she needs to somehow, and this is all vaguely interpreted. You don't know what she's trying to do, but she needs to gather five people together. And um, Steve ends up helping her with her internet problem. He buys her a portable modem, uh, and then as a return favor, she needs to go impersonate that she's his stepmother and talk to uh, a teacher a teacher who, who is because he punched a kid in the throat. Yes. Let's let's talk Sorry. about let's talk about Steve for a second yeah. because I, I really hate Steve. So <laughs> so but no validated. I mean it, there's 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 writing in this this show that I'm just kind of angry about but I'm Steve so is a up. terrible person. I'm not even sick anymore but the show's making me cough. So, so I'm sorry. Steve Steve starts off when you meet Steve he's sleeping with some some other girl from I don't know if she's a college student or some other high school but she's not she doesn't go to a school like full-on gratuitous nudity that yeah. did not need to be in the show right it was literally the only was it the only nudity in the show there was something a little later like but it, it just Cuba. seemed it seemed like completely unnecessary yeah anyway, anyway so she leaves and she just basically tells him that she's just having fun and this doesn't mean anything they're not a couple so you can tell it kind of like emotionally strikes him and he's kind of upset um and then like you get a vibe from his dad that he's already kind of like a troubled youth or whatever because his dad comes in and he punched he punched a hole in the wall. Which the kid, not the dad. The kid punched the hole in the wall after his girlfriend left, or not his girlfriend, and his dad comes in and sees a hole in the wall, which also he comes in and sees him standing there naked by the window with no curtains, punch a hole in the wall. I thought that was super awkward. Like, yeah. like he's And it's a ground floor, too. It's like if anybody was out getting their mail, they would just see Steve's like junk hanging out there in the window. So anyway... It's just little things like that. Uh, little but it, things like his junk. <laughs> but so so then you find out that little, he, little stranger things that he needs. He needs some type of like outlet. So you know how bullies when when they have like some type of like uh, frustration that they need to take out on other kids. So he decides to target um, a gay kid at school that's in the choir. And it made me mad because they were singing a Pearl Jam song. So I'm like, please don't. The bring. song Better Man. Yeah. I was like, please don't bring Pearl Jam into this. Yeah. But um, so he sees this kid singing in choir and then he confronts him in the parking lot. And at first you're kind of like, so I'm like, why is he talking to this kid? It seems very strange. And it was literally all a setup for him to punch this kid in the throat as hard as he could. So that this kid basically couldn't sing, sing anymore. Yeah. And it was just like one of the most dick moves I've ever seen. And out of nowhere. And like, it was just, completely. Yeah. And I was just like. I couldn't believe like it would be different if he kind of just like punched him and it was like gave him a black eye or gave him a wedgie or just something. But like he was particular, he was taking the thing away from this kid that he was good at for no reason for yeah other than he was just like jealous or something. Yeah, you well know? he yeah. was he was frustrated because of his whole situation yeah. with, with so, that girl. Yeah, so basically you get this parent teacher conference where yeah uh, the, the 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 main character her 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 name is Prairie, which is a stupid name anyway. <laughs> Um, just, sorry to anybody out there named sorry. Prairie that's uh, we, we've, lost, we've lost all half of you I'm sorry ha, ha, there's one person with half a name Prairie out there I don't know uh, like that's a pretty name don't listen to the show uh, yeah, come, keep, keep listening it's fine uh, so she's talking to the teacher who happens to be Phyllis from the office yeah I was happy to see Phyllis I was too because she was never ever meant to be like she never wanted to be an actress and it's like she was in the office and was a breakout character and then she was sadness and um, inside, inside out. out yeah. And that was like, oh, way, way to go, Phyllis. You're doing something. And But there's this really weird whole parent-teacher conference where she's like, you know, your son has issues. And she's like, well, 
we live in a world this this realm of violence and uh all the it can, this is a constant pain and something 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 and and the teacher's like i i don't know what you're talking about this is kind of ridiculous but then somehow halfway through it's like she's like you you have failed her as failed him as a teacher like you know you're worried about the kid that's hurt whenever he doesn't need help but you should be helping him and it somehow is like it kindles this fire yeah, in her she kind of she kind of gets guilted into feeling like she's a bad teacher i guess yeah but that's, then Here's where I started. The thing started to get a little weird for me. Other than the throat punch, that was not great. Uh, the Prairie's leaving the classroom. Her, the the kid's last name is Winchell, so he Steve's. she had to be Winchell, right? Yeah. And so um, the teacher asked her, "Is like, oh, Mrs. Mrs. Winchell, what's your what's your first name?" And then she's like, "Oh, I'm the OA," and walks out. I'm like, I'm not going to drop an f bomb in the show. I, I I will try my best, but I was like. What the f was that? You could have come up with any. You could have said Prairie or yeah, you Gopher, said, Gopher or <laughs> Steve. Like my name is Steve as well. It's it's Stevina. It's the OA. it's Stevia. Like anything. It could have been. Yeah. You know what's what's your name, Ms. I don't know. You said the OA. Right. It's, so ugh. anyway. So she she decides because whatever she has to do to to I think she's like trying to. Was, was, did she admit what she was trying to do first? I don't know, but either way, she's she five needs people. five people. So she tells the four kids, and she, and then she, she puts it on YouTube, and somehow they find it. I thought she went and told them. No, she put no. It on YouTube I know. I know. Phyllis found it. She yeah, she creates a viral video, <laughs> which somehow only grabs the five people in Michigan in that development, uploads it to YouTube, and then she tells everyone to meet her in the abandoned house, uh, and to leave their doors open. Yeah. So when you leave your house at night in Michigan, in Michigan, and, and, it's, in, and it's winter, it's yeah. probably November, December ish, because everybody had coats on. You could see their breath uh, to leave their doors open. That was one of the top five things that pissed me off about that show, <laughs> because and I'm just going to tell everybody right now, they never tell you why to leave those damn doors open. Nope. Because you texted me later. You're like, you're like. I bet you want to know why the doors are staying open. Yeah. I, I thought you were trying to set me up for like, there's going to be an answer. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, nope. we're not going to talk about this. And then I'm glad that I didn't get that thought in my head that there was an answer. <laughs> so anyway, the reason but, we're, not to, not to like, I don't want to break this on episode by episode, but so this is, this is getting to, we, we get them all in the abandoned house and she starts to tell them like, close your eyes and just like, just imagine. And what I'm about to tell you, she's like, and you, you, you don't trust me now, but pretend that you trust me until you do, which is the garbage statement. So she's making them all close her eyes. She's telling the story 58 minutes into this episode, the first episode first of the series. Episode. And this is, I know Joe's going to laugh because I texted him. I stopped, <laughs> I stopped watching. I texted him because it says Netflix presents the OA. And I paused. I'm like, they wait an hour to get to the title screen. And this isn't the end of the episode. There's still 10 minutes to yeah. go. And I'm like, how pretentious and artsy fartsy do you have to be where it's like, no, that, that hour was the, the before now this is the it start doesn't of the set show. It, it doesn't really set anything up very well. So then she tells a story, which by the way, it, she made a point to have everybody close their eyes and listen to her. The very next thing to cut back, they're all staring at her. They yeah. never get back to the eye closing. Thing everybody, everybody stares at her after that. It was just, it was a very, it was like a five minute, like hype, like please. And then one, in the one kid's like, he's like, I imagine better with my eyes open. Yeah. And then she's like, no, close them. And then it's like, after that, it's all thrown out the window. So, 
Um, or the door. The, the open doors. Uh, so it then cuts to her. It, basically, at that point, she becomes a narrator of this backstory that's leading up to supposedly how starts, she's where she's at now. Starts with her childhood. She was in Russia. Her dad was a really wealthy uh like uh strip miner Min- yeah mineral something. mineral like he had a mine or something like that yeah um some rival uh crime is a crime gang or something like that she kept uh-huh. saying the boy like there was it they was, basically implied that there was muscle that was out to yeah. influence these wealthy families but it, so they go to kill her while she's going to school uh, th- there's a bus full of other privileged children the bus wrecks into the water and um she survives and i put that in quotation marks because she actually died and then was brought back, and at that point when she was brought back, she was blind. Yeah. So, and that's not even the, the watch the show. That how that happens is ridiculous. However, my question to you, Joe, right now is, <clears throat> was it important to the story that she happened to be like like a, a Russian heir to money? No. No, it had nothing to do with anything. It had nothing. It didn't move the plot forward. The only thing it was that she had a father before and then she got adopted by an American family. Yeah. That's all that's all that was. Yeah. And you could have had the same conflict of her losing a loved one and then being blinded. But no, 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 no. This show has to be like, look how sweeping and majestic we can be with this large sweeping shot of the Russian countryside with the beautiful buildings. Yeah. And it's like... Just oh, it was really how, pretty, especially during the winter. It, but it had nothing to do with anything. There's a lot of things in that show that doesn't have anything to do with anything. That, that's what... It, so, it so starts becomes, right there. Yeah, so it becomes this uh, the show of two parallel stories of, of her talking to these kids. So uh, an adult talking one other adult and four minors into an abandoned like to an abandoned building to tell the story about how she was lured into a trap by another grown up <laughs> yeah so so as the story goes on eventually like she grows up like the, her <coughs> foster family names are prairie because they didn't i don't know they didn't like her other name or she her, her other name was like but they well basically they're worried that because of the mafia thing like, yeah. that they, they wanted to give her a name like we'll start clean it's like and her eyes are clear blue as the prairie skies i'm like yeah. okay axel rose move on you so know? so she so eventually she gets it in her head that she's gonna go find her dad uh somehow and she leaves home, right? Yeah. When she turns 21, she has these dreams, supposedly, that she's going to go... Oh, no. Her dad dies. She knows her dad dies. Yeah, but no. No, she doesn't know he dies. She was told that he dies, but she had this premonition, this dream that she's going to find him right. when she turns 21. So she doesn't believe he's dead, and But she, she has these dreams of going to the crown of the Statue of Liberty to go find him. Yeah. For whatever reason, we don't know why. Which she goes to the crown of the Statue of Liberty. She waits... Nobody she, shows up. Which she is, goes to the basement of the Alamo, and her bike isn't there, and she doesn't know why. There's no basement yeah. to the Alamo. Then instead of going home, she just decides to perform Sorry, in the subway. Joke. Yeah. So she's playing Russian violin in the subway, and I say Russian violin because that's what draws uh, Lucius Malfoy to <laughs> her. Lucius Malfoy is in this, which was really weird hearing him not have a English accent. You're talking about the actor Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs was in which, it, yeah. So he happens to be in New York, and here's this violin, and he's drawn to it. By the way, Jason Isaacs was also in Event Horizon, and I liked him a lot in that. Like He was the, oh, the yeah, doctor was. in that. Yeah. Huh. So that's why I was just like, that guy looks familiar. And before I go any yeah, further... It's kind of funny, because like, like if I didn't think about that because of... I'm so used to thinking about him with the like the bleach blonde hair from Harry Potter. I I yeah I've not. Oh, seen you've never him, seen yeah. Harry Potter. Uh, well, I mean Sorry. the first one, but uh, but just the he 
he's almost worth the price of admission for the show because he actually his what his character is asked to do is stupid, but he actually commits to it, and he's actually an interesting. He gives an interesting performance. He does, but he it, elevates what is garbage. He does. <clears throat> You're right. I thought that too, but at the same time, the way that he was written and some of the things his character did did seem so uncharacteristic at times that I was like con- so confused. Like I argued with my friend who watched this because I was like, he's like, oh man, that guy's so evil. And I'm like, I'll get into why I think that's stupid. <laughs> but so he finds her and he realizes she's blind. He also becomes fascinated with her because she had near death experience. So he starts asking her about all this stuff and he knows that she had a near death experience because of the music she's playing. So then yeah, that's another thing too. I did like that. They did. This is one thing I did like. Okay, I did like I did like how you it was obvious what was kind of going on. Like it it seemed kind of fishy when he was like, come on back with me. I'll take you to my place. I want to show you like I'm, you know, working on this stuff with near death experience and we'll share it. They definitely do a good job of zooming in and keeping all that out. So it's almost like you're blind like prairie. No, that, that's good. And then the way he's actually helping her where it's like three steps here, right. this, this, this. He's it's being like, very helpful. Yeah. And then like, you know, she's in his basement. And she's like, oh, is that running water? He's like, yeah, yeah, there's a spring nearby and it, it comes through the house. And it's like, why would you have running water in your basement? That sounds like a really bad, yeah. you know, thing for a basement to have. So then like he just leads her in and then like he closes a door and she's like in this like glass cage. And you're just like, Oh, I just caught a blind girl. That's unfair. Like, <laughs> I was like, dang. And then she's down there with like five other people who you later find out are well, all. No, four other. No, oh. at that time, it's this three other people. Because, uh, yeah. Is it four? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it's, it was three. It's her her next door cellmate, Homer. And then was it Scott? Or I don't know. He the, So I'm going to refer to yeah, him as Rusted four. Root the rest of the yeah, episode. Yeah, Rusted Root's a good because description. Because he he's, he's a white guy with dreadlocks, and he's supposedly from Pittsburgh. And I'm like, well, that's where Rusted Root's from. So yeah. he's Rusted Root. And then there's another girl who the only reason she's there is because she sings a song once in the episode and the series, and that's all they have her there for. Yeah. So we don't remember her name because she's useless. So... Drops her off, locks her. Everybody's just like, oh, you got caught too, okay? So now we're all down here together, and this doctor... Welcome to the Glass Cage Club. What was his name? Hap, Dr. Hap. 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 Yeah. So then then eventually, uh, Hap lets her out of the cage because she's like, I'm blind. I need to see... Or I need I, to feel, the sun, need to feel the sun. I need fresh air. It's different for me because I can't see one of my senses. So he takes her outside, takes her upstairs, <laughs> they're in the kitchen she's at the edge of the kitchen right and he's just like okay here you go he's like you know i'm like oh that's that's kind of nice he did that and then like she walks over to like the counter and there was like a loaf of bread and a butcher knife next to it like and a just, wicked knife a huge butcher it was like a machete <laughs> and so like her hand gets a hold of this machete and you see her because she's blind she's like feeling it and he sees her grab it and he's just like oh shit i'm gonna get stabbed like you know he's yeah. just like this is a bad idea so instead of like Try and get away and slash at your captor. Which is what anybody would do. She just starts making a sandwich, and she's just she starts cutting a bread, and he's like, "Oh, I dodged a bullet." So he's got half a sandwich. Yeah, he's watching it, and she goes in the fridge. She's getting stuff out of the fridge, and she makes a sandwich, cuts it in half, and then gives him half. And I'm like, "Why are you feeding him?" Yeah, (laughs) like. How did well, you not run? The, the part, the reason why the sandwich is important, and, and I, God, I can't believe I've been saying this, is because in the the, the cages down below, and by cages, there's these, these plastic glass, whatever, on, like whatever, uh, habitats. Yeah. They're all like it's like basically imagine like a um, a trivial pursuit 
pie wedges all kind of together. Yeah, kinda. that's a good. That's a good way to um, describe it. There's these um, feeding mechanisms that basically give out these large, large hamster pellets, like food nuggets. Yeah, and it's like to me. Like, and I had to argue with Mary about this. I was like, there is no need for that. That seems that is overly complicated to me where, because if you want these people, you're supposed to be keeping these test subjects alive uh, for what he's about to do. We'll get into that in a second. But wouldn't you want them to be healthy for what you're going to do to them repeatedly? Right. So you'd think that giving them a balanced diet would be better than just like horse nuggets. That's what, whatever they call it. It was just like, it was like, imagine yeah, he large said, shredded wheat. Yeah, that was green he shredded said wheat. He, got, he said he got it like from like some type of animal surplus thing too. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway. But so she makes everyone sandwiches. Yeah. And it's just this nice. nice little tender moment. But then Rusted Roots pissed off that there's mustard on his sandwich. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. you're eating horse nuggets. I, when that comment pissed me off really bad because I was like, <laughs> I'm like, you guys have been locked in a basement eating horse pellets, and she brings you mud. Like, like, why do we have to have rusted root be really inconsiderate right there? He's like, just send me on my way. So that's when you, after that, you kind of meet Homer, who's like her cell, her next door neighbor in the cells. And, and this was another thing. Immediately after I have a knife, I could stab Malfoy and get away. That really bothered me as he goes, yeah. He's like, I had an near death experience too. And he brought me here and he said he'd pay me $500 if I would, you know, partake in his experiments. And then, like, I went in his bathroom and I took off my uh, championship football high school ring and I put it in the, in the mess cabinet. cabinet. And he's like, I need you to go in there. I need you to find a bill, some type of bill in his, in his, uh, in his house. Tell a blind girl. Yeah, tell a blind girl. And he's like, and then I need you to get that ring and I need you to mail it to my girlfriend so that she has money because <laughs> she's pregnant with our child. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like... How about we use that letter to mail the cops? Also, like, <laughs> let me just rewind this here in a second. Like, oh, hey, you, you're you suspected that you think you're going to get kidnapped. So you take this large ring and put it in a medicine cabinet of the home of the guy that's kidnapped you that clearly uses this restroom, this bathroom. You don't think he's ever going to open this and be like, well, I'd ever won a high school championship. Like, that's not mine. And you think he's just going to leave it there? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And so hmm. I, I, we're, we're getting kind of stuck in some of the minutiae here. But basically, like I said, people are stuck. Um, and so, she's telling the story to captives, not captives, but a like captive yeah. audience at a house. And it kind of shifts back and forth between so every night she tells a little bit more of the story. She's like submitted for the Midnight Society or whatever. Yeah. You know? She does like, like an yeah, afraid, afraid of the It is definitely submitted for, for the, the Midnight, midnight Society. Yeah. And, and, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the, the, the whole time you're watching this too and you realize that this is a story being told, her parents have no clue what happened to her. Her family has no clue what happened to her. The FBI has no clue what happened to her, like where she was, who she was with, who any of these other people she were. She even tells them, they're like, do you, like, uh, do you remember uh, when you disappeared? And, and she's like, oh, I never disappeared. I know, it, I know uh, everything that happened. It's like, well, can you tell us? No. Yeah, she's like, just, you. No. Like, Miss Portman. Miss Portman, can you show no. can you no. show us the wormhole? No. no, yeah, it's like you you made it a point to let everybody know that you were aware of what happened to you for seven yeah. years, but you're not going to tell them a damn thing. So after that, they kind of they kind of start to develop some of the the Midnight Society's characters a little <laughs> bit more. Like you find out that Steve is still just a giant asshole. Um, he still fights with a couple people. Uh, you find out that he's he's freaking out because his parents want to send him to a super strict boarding school, which I think is the right call. I think it's the right call as well. <laughs> um, and uh, because, like, I mean, other than him getting dropped into juvie, uh, but uh, Phyllis doesn't want this to happen because she has this need where she doesn't want to fail him as a teacher. So yeah. she's trying to be protective of Steve and put him on the right path. And I don't think that kid will ever get on the right path. No. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I understand we have 
prisons for rehabilitation, but Steve cannot be rehabilitated. But we don't know, like, so we... Because he does something later that really pisses me off. Yeah, so we don't know how many nights it actually takes to tell the story. However, it seems like it's a short amount of time, right? Relatively. Yeah. And so the group keeps coming together. They don't necessarily understand why, but they're just drawn to prairie who she keeps calling herself the oa to her story um in the meantime she's not telling her parents what she's doing and and (laughs) yeah they have no clue what she's doing um yeah they keep trying to do the curfew thing uh they take the door off of her room because she locks it you know it's like all the things that the hospital and the police tell her to do because she's a trauma victim uh from kidnapping and things like that it's like oh you need to monitor what she does that's why she couldn't get on the internet and then um the other thing that kind of confused me, and I thought it was going to go somewhere interesting, was um, was it Francisco Alfonso? Alfonso. Yeah, he was he, he was using pills, and then never went back to that. Right, but at the same time, they had this whole bit where he was getting a scholarship, and everybody was really proud of him. Yeah, you know, and you felt bad for his situation with his mom, which that was really confusing. Like that whole character, I I didn't. Really he was get. an overachiever, keeping his family together, and his mom wasn't really. But. He didn't really give a shit. I that felt he was like, like that the emphasis when he was talking to the guidance counselor and the, I, I don't know if it was the dean from the college where they're yeah. like, don't screw this up. Like, yeah. don't get arrested. Don't caught doing drugs. Don't do, don't, you know, it's like. And it's like the last one they said, don't end up in a house with a weird lady telling you a story. Right. But I felt like, I felt like he was going to get caught and or I felt they were going to drug test him. You, you, and you he was going to be some type of, yeah, there was going to be a fallout. He was going to lose everything. And you're just going to be like, oh. You know, but then there would be some redemption. I don't know, but I felt like that went nowhere. <laughs> no, it did. So because things magically happen in the series that you're supposed to accept as, oh, that happened, and you're not supposed to question it. And this is what burns me up about this entire thing is that um, Britt Marling, who plays Prairie slash the OA slash because you'll find out about that later. Um, her and the guy who directed it, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because I'm going to butcher it. Um, however, the first six letters of his last name is Batman. Um, I'll say that. So Britt Brit Marling and Batman uh, put this together. Everything about this feels like they did this purposefully, but I feel like they think that this has such an impact and such, such a message and that it's so important that when these outlandish things happen, we're supposed to be blown away by them as opposed to going, why did that just happen? So, and I hate things that think they're more clever than they are. Oh, this this show and they think it's more important that. than what it is. Yeah, this show wants to be a statement, and it's not. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, well, and then let's talk about like the other two things. Like, you know, being being a bad captor and being bad prisoners is definitely a big theme with this because, like, I had told my friend, like, Jason Isaacs was not that evil of a guy. Like I mean, he he had he was very gray. Yeah. But there's times where it's like you see him actually struggle with some of it too yeah. before he dives off the deep end. And that's not a bad I think that was more him playing the character versus the script. I do too, but I feel like the script was trying to push him into a a a lighter light instead of being gray or yeah, dark. I agree. Because there were times where he did things where it was like, you know, at the end when he kills those one people or he kills he kills a uh, mentor. Yeah, but that was kind of self defense. Yeah. Oh, you t- oh yeah. I'm talking. Yeah. I'm talking about the sheriff. So <laughs> I think he did that selfishly because he got. I do think he did that selfishly. That was the only selfish evil thing he did, because like he takes Prairie because he's like aside he, from kidnapping four people, right? But he takes Prairie because she's blind. I don't know if he trusts her, and she basically becomes his maid. Like he lets her out of the cage. The the other three people, you all stay in the cage. She gets to go upstairs, eat regular food cook and clean for yeah. me and i'm just like wow so so she makes him soup okay yeah, no, let me let, yeah okay so all right. all right 
another problem here I have. <laughs> and this is just a simple writing problem. She wants to, she's been like hoarding his sleeping pills or whatever. That oh, She yeah. wants to grind this up eventually and put this into the this, this soup that she's making. To knock him out, yeah. To, to kill him, basically, right. right? So she's making the soup. And you look in the pantry, everything is labeled in Braille. So she knows what all the ingredients are. I would think he that, labels everything. That's what braille. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Which is like fine. You got your servant doing that. She's blind. Fine. But then he's the one that orders the stuff for the pantry because you find out this location is the middle of nowhere. You don't mm-hmm. know exactly where, but it's the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So he's the one ordering all the food. He's the one ordering everything. Physically, him. So then she makes the soup, and then he she's listening for him to eat it, and all of a sudden he starts having this bad reaction. And he's like, "What was in the soup?" And she starts naming it off, and he's like tomato paste i'm allergic to that it's like yeah. you dumb idiot you're the one that ordered all the stuff anyway right. and if you're definitely allergic to tomato so, paste yeah then you shouldn't have ordered it <laughs> so then he's having this giant allergic allergic reaction and he's like all right i got an epi pen and he yeah. hits himself and the epi pen breaks and it doesn't work he's like i got a backup go get it and sit in the bathroom and she's like all worried and she goes and she's looking for this epi pen and i'm like how about you just go out the damn door like yeah why don't like, you just take him and throw him down the steps or something then and be like, oh, I, I guess you're going to choke to death because you can't breathe because of tomatoes. Not the poison I put in your round, system. Round two, I cannot escape. I missed yeah. the knife opportunity. I missed the poison opportunity. Uh, so yeah. she actually finally somehow decides to escape at one point. Um, how did she get out the first time? Uh, she got out the first time because there was a bit where... Uh, it was she, she went to the restroom to find the EpiPen, but then found the championship ring. Like like oh, this yeah. is this is the worst point and click adventure ever. So she finds the ring, <laughs> drops it in this bathtub, and as she's reaching into the bathtub, there's a dead body in there she didn't know about, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the previous subjects. Yeah, and so then uh, she ends up asking. Uh, I, Isaac's about this later, Jason Isaac's, because uh, he has he has a code to the door. That's one of his one of the few p- points. I'll give the show that he actually is in control, quote unquote, most of the time with the threat of leaving these people alone in a basement where he's yeah. like, no one knows where they are. I only know the code of the door. Don't screw with me because you don't know the code. Right, right. Um, but he he opens the door and then she's like, well, what about this person? And he faces her and she just shoves him down the steps and closes the door on him. And then she throws a chair through the window and goes wandering away into the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Instead, um, instead of doing that, like when he was having an allergic reaction or but- find a phone. So she runs out. She's running bl- literally blind, blind through the forest, and she comes to the edge of a cliff that's like this big strip mine, which somehow I feel like is going to either tie in or should tie into her dad. But um, <laughs> right. So then she gets clocked in the back of the head by what looks like the butt of a gun, and um, and then she dies. Uh, you know she dies because she has some weird out of body experience where she meets Cthulhu. Yeah, she's cartoon. Cartoon or she always ends up in this closet full of stars. Yeah. And it's always like it's like it's it's like if you ask the little girl like what you the universe looks like and it's yeah. like here's my trapper keeper with a cat on it with the universe. So the first time she dies, she does meet this cartoon person who is an angel because they finally relieve it, realize reveal it in this near death experience where you see in the closet in the closet of stars she's sitting there <laughs> and she kind of shifts a little bit and you see what looks like a wing but it doesn't actually like expand out yeah you just kind of like oh you got feathers on your back i'll be like and then that that subtle hint like just to make people go oh she's an angel but then then you know me mock a tune there uh as like she's talking to to um prairie she's just like oh do you want to go back and she's like yeah i do because you know basically she wants to try to save her friends and she's like oh are you hungry let me fish something out of here for you and there's like this little pool mm-hmm. of cosmic whatever she says let me fish something out for you she grabs a bird which by the way not a fish a bird 
bird out and of a pool of water. It's not even a real bird. It's like a glowing bird. It's a glowing bird. It's like it's like if you put a peep in a microwave for like you know forever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then she's like, "Here, eat this." So you know, just eat the bird. It's fine. It's eat it. It's fine. Eat, it, eat the bird. And it's like, and then something inside will grow, and then you'll like, and it's you got to give it time, and this like whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like we've been talking about the show too long, but this is the point. She comes back from her near death experience. And wakes up, and then she can see. Yes, she gets she, her sight back after she, that. She doesn't tell, uh, you know, Doctor yeah. Isaacs this. So, um, and then, but there's a notion she has that she believes she's, that she brought something back with her. Well, doesn't doesn't Katoon tell her she's the original angel? Yeah, yeah, the OA. That's where you get the OA uh. from. Sorry, I was deep into the podcast. You finally find out what the OA is. Well, she also said, "I think it sounds like away." Yeah, o- away, o- away, o- away. Yeah, it's like Jesus Christ. Anyway. So, There's a Jesus Christ metaphor later too, by the way. Um, so trying to trying to speed through it real quick because I know we're going on. Well, the whole thing, the, the whole the whole point of the science thing going on is that Doctor Doctor uh, Hap has a room and okay. So when Joe says that this, the thing looks good, everything in the lab and the basement that all looks like like slick and professionally shot, mm-hmm. and it looks like a different show than when it's in Michigan. Because when it's in Michigan, it looks like they just have a really nice camera and no available lighting, so the interiors are weird looking, and then they shot half of this shit at a Costco, I kid you not. And then later on, you go to the OG, the Olive Garden, and there's shit being happened there too. It's like... God, the lighting in that Olive Garden was terrible. It was too. regular lighting, that's yeah. why. So, But all the stuff in the lab and everything's cool, but there's this, there, he has an experiment where he puts these people in this harness that they're not aware of because he knocks them out previously and puts a tube on their head like a glass like i don't know basically like aquarium like plastic around their head yeah and then repeatedly kills them he drowns them and kills them and And then then brings them back back to life because they've had one near-death experience he keeps sending them which i'm just like oh you're flatlining them basically right so Um, one of them actually dies uh rusted root dies because he's not paying attention before that though homer goes because uh oh oh right that's right sorry so he takes so there there's a woman that he meets that Hap meets in in uh in Cuba. Was it in Cuba? Yeah. He meets her in Cuba and she's got amazing guitar skills. Just one like, of the things if you die and come back, supposedly you get a skills, which to me is like that sounds like everybody dies. It's like, oh she's amazing with guitars. Uh, Prairie can play the violin. Yeah, I wonder how many Homer times. Homer is just a wimp. I don't know what he does. Yeah. Like, and then and then you got singing girl. Four touchdowns, you, one game. Two four touchdowns, one game. And then Rusted Root, he's just really good at being an asshole. Like, he's just really good at being yeah. an asshole. But no, so so he meets uh, he meets uh, was it pa- I think it was Paz Vega. Yeah, that's the actress. He meets her in Cuba. Beautiful guitar player. He's like, I got to have her for my collection. How am I going to get her? So he concocts the idea that he's going to use Homer to seduce her. So he's going to get this high school football star, take him to Cuba. He drugs him, flies him to Cuba with him. They go to a hotel. He tells him. It's he's a puddle like, jumper he has. I don't yeah. know how he did this. So from Michigan, yeah. or they've got to be Not, close to Michigan. <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. So he tells him, he's like, hey, you're going to help me kidnap this girl. You're going to seduce her. And then I'm going to drug her. And then we're going to take her back and put her in the Trivial Pursuit uh, prison. She'll be the and, foreign language. Section. And Homer's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, well, you're going to do it because if we don't, then I'm not going to go back there and all your friends in the basement are going to die. <laughs> so at this point, Homer and the OA have started to have like a really close relationship because they're right next to each other and they constantly talk. So there is some type of like like romantic kinship that you've gathered. So he takes him to Cuba. She He goes and he meets Paz Vega. They hit it off. They start getting it on, and like there's this whole sex scene where they're in this hotel room in Cuba, and and Malfoy's listening in, 
and and like he just kind of like all of a sudden he's just kind of like huh he's like i'm just gonna pipe in because he's got the room bugged he's like i'm gonna pipe in all their sex sounds into the basement so for, the people that are captive can hear it. Yeah, for no reason. And like Well, he wants to break the group because he sees that they're working together. Yeah. Because Homer the whole thing is that they're now there's a whole other sub thing with this gas that knocks him out. It's stupid. Um, but like <laughs> I don't know because I feel like we've been talking about this long. I don't want to like basically this gas like removes like you could still be told to do things, but you don't remember it. Anyway, the whole goal was for them to die awake, right? So because right. so she ate a bird. For whatever goddamn reason, um, she told Homer, "When you die, go find something and eat it." Which is like that—that that, sure, th- this is Super Mario logic of just like make sure you find oh, a mushroom, absolutely, you know. And so, or, or Alice in Wonderland garbage, right? So he goes. So her her afterlife is a closet full of stars where she might see her her Russian dad. Yeah, his afterlife is an office building with an aquarium, and he goes and grabs a sea urchin. No, not a sea urchin, a sea anemone. Yeah, like and, and eats it. He shoves it in his mouth. So then when he comes back to life, he's like, oh, I feel it too. And then basically it's implied that somehow they're bringing back this knowledge with them that is the secret to everything. And they refer, it's it's basically like these these hand movements or, or whatever. It's interpretive dance. At first, it kind of reminded me of like a kata that you have for martial yes. arts to get your belts. I can see it a like little, that. a little bit. Cause it's like, it's a set three movements and, mm-hmm. and she supposedly, uh, Prairie has the first, first movement. He has the second and it's like, but we need five. It's we like, five Oh movements. good. I'm glad that there's uh, more people here. So you know? he, so then, then Hap accidentally kills rusted root and, um, <laughs> send him all his way. So he killed. He accidentally kills Rusted Root while he's trying to do the experiment on him. Then he just drags him back and throws him in his cage. And, and says, all, "You guys did this." Yeah, you guys did this. So, yeah. so then they do the five movements. But before, no, no, well, they do no, two movements. They do two movements. But before that happens, did you notice how he was lying on the ground mm-hmm. with his his legs kind of cocked and he had like uh, cloth draped over his uh, his crotch and his uh, dreads were all pulled up a little bit and his arms were splayed out. He was Christ. Yeah. He was bleeding out. And so his what his pie piece is between theirs. So they start saying, you know what? We gotta do the ultimate cheer. So like so they, so the Spartan Spirit twins get together and they start doing their movements and then they're doing like this like, you know, you know, whatever it is, hand movements. I, it, I can't even do it because like, we're talking about I, it on the show. I, I really wish, yeah. It's a I'm co- a, coordinated movements. That I think I'm going like, to link, I'm going to find the dance uh, and link it because just when they start hissing at each other, that's when I lose it. I, yeah. I can't, I can't take it And seriously. so they do this and do this and do this and somehow the blood rewinds back into its, uh, the body and then Rush Root comes alive and he was just like, hey guys, I got the third movement. Also, let's, the, you know, I'm going to work at a Starbucks later because that's what I look like. He it does look like, like a barista. Yeah. Um, but so, and here's another point of the show that pisses me off is that while that is going on with the shitty, you know, America's dot not have talent dancing, whatever's going on, um, there's a song that plays. It's a very somber, serious song that tries to give weight to this goddamn moment of them dancing like idiots over mm-hmm. this dead body. And I remember... I, so I've punished some of my coworkers talking about this, and I guess I should apologize to them because my mind melted the other day when I finished this, and I, I wanted to wait to talk to Joe about it because I didn't want to ruin our wonderful conversation for you guys. And I, I asked, I told my friends, like, you remember that moment? He's like, yeah. I was like, you realize that, that song is only there to to make you feel like something's going on. It was trying to pull at an emotion where, because if you didn't have that song there, you just have them hissing and slapping in their hands and this guy waking up. 
Like it was trying to manufacture yeah. a moment and make it seem majestic, and it was garbage. Yeah. Like I mean, so. I felt better about Tom Hanks losing his UTI and um the Green Mile whenever uh you know the prisoner grabs him. <laughs> you know, like and then it comes out as like you know bugs out of his mouth. At least that felt like you know I don't know like yeah. just it's, it felt more mystical. So yeah. Um. Eventually, uh, the cops do kind of stumble upon the the Hap residents to rescue the. Um, uh, the yeah, but I mean, so Paz Vega has like the fourth movement, and and I, you know, and so the one girl that was there to sing because they all had these moments about like when I get out of here, I'm gonna go do this, I'm gonna plant a garden, I'm gonna go whatever, and then she's like, I'm gonna sing a song for my brother that's now gone, and she sings this song, and it's a wonderful moment, and the only reason she's there is to have that moment of singing a song. And, they, and she literally does nothing for the rest of the series. Yeah. And it's like, great. Your power is perfect pitch. You sang a song for everybody in these cages. I'm glad you're helping the they Escape Efforts here show. They Like, why did you do that show? Why did you do that, OA? Um, but anyway. So the, the deputy sheriff comes in and accidentally, or he happens upon Hap. Hap. Uh, watch, upon. watching them in in a control room with headphones on uh, because he invited himself in because the door was open and, and he's like a neighbor or something like that. That's why the doors are open. He let the cops in. Yeah. So uh, he, he pulls his gun out. He tells Hap to get up and to let them all out. And then Hap starts to tell him about the movements. And and the, the sheriff guy, he has a sick wife who's dying and he tells him that they can heal her. If because they, of what happened to Russell Green. And, and the, the sheriff looks at him and any any sane person would just probably be like, shut up, go let him out. No, the next scene cuts away to them going to the house and picking her up. Considering that we have we had at least two or three documented cases in Cleveland where the cops are like, no, you have people in the basement. We're, we're putting you in jail. Like, did he even show him the video of them bringing him back to life? No. Yeah, that would have that would have made more sense. Like, yeah, if it maybe. was like if it was like, here, look, they resurrected this guy with this dance, and, and then it would like, be like, I'm going to play some CNC Music Factory over top of it, so, so it kind of fits. So they go and they get they get Sheriff's wife, Homer and and uh, um. The OA or Prairie or I can't remember her Russian name, Olivia. Um, <laughs> Olivia. But they they um they start doing their interpretive dance over her body, and and it's like very very angry. And I, I recently read an read an article because I've been reading all kinds of stuff about this show because I'm just like I I need to know what other people think about this because it's driving me crazy. Um, and I guess like it was supposed to be angry because Prairie was angry at Homer for sleeping with Paz Vega. Although when they play that music or when they play the the sex sounds for her, like she gets really happy, and uh, the one the one girl in the the cage is like, "Why are you happy?" And she's like, "Because he's alive." Yeah, and and it's like, okay. Anyway, so they're letting out their frustrations over this lady's body, and then she gets healed. She's like, "Oh," and then somehow she wakes up. And she's got the fifth movement. What's the difference between that and whenever Kevin Bacon's anger dancing and uh, punch dancing? Yeah. yeah, he's punch dancing and um, maybe Kevin Bacon and, and has a sixth loose. movement. Yeah, he has the yeah. <laughs> he has Fo- Footloose is the he. You know what? Footloose is the OA. Yeah. Anyway, so so yeah, so sick lady who sick, died when she was younger. So she's she like, she I've comes been holding back. on to this movement for. It's like I bet you have. You haven't been on a movie. You probably haven't had the shit yeah, for a while. Paralyzed. Yeah, so she gi- she coming. gives them the fifth movement. The sheriff comes in and he's like, oh, my God, my wife's alive. And here's the one evil thing I thought Hap did. He walks in the room, shoots both of them. <laughs> because like, he, he like was that. looking for the fifth movement, too. Because and he, he got watching it. Her, yeah. And he got it. And it was a selfish thing to do. And so then uh, 
then like he basically takes them back downstairs, right? No, he takes uh he takes Hap downstairs, not Hap. He takes uh, Homer downstairs, takes uh Prairie, drives her in the middle of nowhere and leaves her. And that it's like why don't you just kill her? Why don't you just like kill yeah, her? Yeah, that's right. And that's so there's weird. never it's never really implied how she makes it from that roadside to, to the New, bridge to New York, yeah, and, or I, the I, bridge. Whatever. Yeah. And, and at that point, I didn't care anyway. But so she's telling the story to the people in, in Michigan. And so the, you don't house. know what's happened to, uh, you anybody. don't know what's happened to anybody in the basement. So no. she gets back to to think. So she's telling this story, and and she's showing them the five movements. By the way, yeah here and there with the midnight club so as she's telling the end of this story is she getting as she's getting dropped off then the parents come in and they finally investigate this abandoned house, house yeah. and they find all the kids up there with a teacher and a 28 year old who's crazy so everybody freaks out everybody goes back no more midnight society <laughs> um someone has to put out the fire though yeah. when you leave. <laughs> steve's dad actually pulls the trigger and hires the uh the um, military school, the military school to come get him. So they come get him, take him away, and then uh, uh, Phyllis, who you find out earlier, had a brother who uh, left her like fifty thousand dollars. He left her fifty thousand dollars when he died, and um, Phyllis decides to to chase down the uh, uh, the military school people with Steve and try to try to get him back. So she 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 intercepts them at a gas station. And pleads and tries to stop everything. And her final bargain is she'll give them fifty grand to let Steve go. Yeah, and, and so they drive away, and I'm like, "Great, he's going to come back home. His parents are going to be like, why the heck aren't you at military yeah. school?' And be like, "Oh, that's cool. This this teacher paid for me." And they'll be like, "Okay, well, we're still going to call the military school. Yeah. They're going to come get you." Right. Like so. Anyway, so, the whole thing is like this group is supposed to be together, learning these movements because Prairie's basically telling them that that these movements are like a language that you can use and and it can open up these other worlds and dimensions and and all this other bullshit. So they're like practicing these moves. It's it's almost like um it almost reminds me of the dance montage in Wet Hot American Summer whenever Coop's trying to learn how to to, to get confidence. I don't even know yeah. what it's like cuz yeah. it's it's I don't ever want to see Terminator well, dance again. <laughs> but the reason I brought that up about about Phyllis buying Steve was so they go back to the to the house before the parents bust in on him and Prairie's there and everybody's kind of talking and Steve's real heated again. Like Steve's yeah. got a lot of teenage angst. He's got a lot of a lot of testosterone going and he's you know he's a bully so she comes over and she's trying to like calm him down yeah, prairie like is, yeah. like prairie like she, she's trying to calm him down like she did the dog he grabs a pencil and like jabs it into her leg like halfway into her leg and she just is and everybody's like oh no steve's being a dick again and she she's just like she's like no 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 and she's got this pencil stuck in his leg and he's just sitting there and she's like hugging him and he's just like Arr! and i'm like oh steve's a dick again can we give up on this kid already yeah. like he punched somebody in the throat he stabbed somebody that he he was one of his friends apparently for yeah. like no reason. I'm like, I don't know if I like. I don't understand. Like, if the writing is just like they don't know how to convey it for somebody like that. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. So this is all leading up to the moment. There's all these other little subplots too about the parents, and there's an FBI guy that's trying to help Prairie. He's actually not a bad character. I don't know why he shows up the, at the house at nighttime towards the end because there's no explanation why he's there. But there's also a, a hint in the last 20 minutes of the show that maybe, just maybe. 
Prairie's making all this up because they find a box of books that are about Russian history and like the uh, Odyssey, the Odyssey with, with Homer, Homer yeah. and um and that Harry Potter with Lucius Malfoy in it or whatever she finds, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and like. <laughs> And so, but they find all these books. It's like, oh, maybe she's just maybe she's trying to cope with being gone for seven years and is trying to come up with her own story of how she survived it. Yeah. Which I'm giving the show too much credit. That's what they wanted to kind of do. And if that's where they ended up at, I think I'd have been like, you know what? I didn't like it, but I can see where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like uh, people. I would people have justify if... their their existence like that sometimes to come up with a narrative that makes them believe what happened. You know, I can, I can see that like a PTSD where it was so horrible. You wanted this fantastic reality of where you danced your way out of there. Well, a lot of, a a lot of, a lot, I guess like some of the other stuff that they did, because I know what's her name, uh, Britt Morgan worked with the uh, director before on another uh, indie movie and they're both very new age. Yeah. So like they want to leave it open to interpretation, which I'm fine with. I like things left to open to interpretation, but it's a little too much in a sense where it's like, you know, they they their other their other movie, I guess they talked to the audience and everybody was split 50 50 what they thought about the the okay. premise, because the premise is like similar to this, where a woman shows up and she's living in a, in a basement somewhere and she says she's for a time traveler from the future. And the whole time, the other main character is a skeptic. But at the end of the movie, you kind of believe he's not a skeptic. And it's like. The question is, is she a time traveler or is she not a time traveler? I, I, so they did done, the same done thing. well, I'm okay with. You're right. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I am too, if it's done well. But this is just not done well. So the last <laughs> the last uh, bit of the movie, uh, which a lot of people have a problem with up in like the movie, the show, the last bit of the show, which a lot of people had a problem with because it, it does dig into something that a, a lot of America is pretty sensitive about. I think it is in poor taste. It, I did too. Um, is everybody's gathered, you know, uh, so let me set the, for, let, yeah, let me yeah, set the scene. I'm set sorry. The scene. So kid that should be in military school for some reason, still back in high school, He's back in school, um, overachiever kids there. He's like, so all these, all the kids are in high school and they're basically all at lunch together. But for some reason, bully kid is still there. I don't know why he's still allowed in the school, but Phyllis, because she, you know, she, basically paid for a kid like she was losing her job. So she happened to be at school that day, Can't cleaning out her desk, you know, and then she's like, you know what? I, my car, I gave it a tune-up. I'm just going to head out of here. I hear there's a paper company in Scranton hiring. I want to see what's going to happen there. We'll see what's going on. Good call. So, yeah. And then so she she's there, and all of a sudden, they're in the cafeteria, which the only thing about that whole scene that I thought was interesting was the one the one buddy looks up and immediately grabs his friend and drags him under a table because yeah. in the distance he sees a kid with a gun, like an automatic rifle, oh, like yeah. a badass gun. So it's a school shooting situation. Right. You hear it, the gunshots go off. They never show you the school shooter's face. Yeah. So which you, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. You kind of see the tactical. He's got like a... Because it's the audience. Attack vest. Just, <laughs> it's the audience. He's got an assault rifle. He makes it into the cafeteria where there's tons of kids that didn't evacuate. They just went under the tables. Nobody managed to block a door. Um, but Well, you saw kids trying to get out of the doors, and they couldn't because they were all trying to rush at the same time. Yeah, but there were a lot of kids in that cafeteria when he gets in there. No, you're right. You're right. So like, he gets in there, and he doesn't start shooting at all, which, which I thought was kind of weird because it does kind of set more of a tone where you're just kind of like it's more suspenseful. Yeah. But I you know, if they're if you're going to go if you're going to use school shooting, you need to go full bore. You need to not hold back. You can't just be like it's a setting. So all f- all five of the the Midnight Society jump up from under yeah, and Phyllis comes running, which she, I'm sorry, Phyllis has to have an action scene of running down a hallway. Didn't, yeah. That didn't work out so well. So everybody gets in the cafeteria and they jump up at the same time. And, and they, they stare s- each other. They stare each other and then they start doing the five movements like 
like all in synchronized together, like probably about like five feet apart, ten feet apart. And it's just like they're just doing this thing and the music's playing and then like the school the school shooter's just standing there. You don't see his face, you don't see anything, he's just standing there and like you're you're just watching these people in in this massive time of trauma in a in a poor tastely used ending dance like idiots in a cafeteria and then somebody tackles the school shooter it would be like if there was five zoolanders doing um, like blue steel or magnum at the same time yeah to stop this guy which i'd buy that better because he stopped a ninja yeah. star with, with or magnum. like if, if if it was like 9 11 and it's like like they all were trying to blue steel the building back up yeah it's like what but, the hell so the, I'll, I'll pause that right there and say the moment they all got up and they made eye contact i started clapping watching this i mary could testify because i forced her to watch the last episode just because i wanted to finish it not because i was looking forward to it to, to like with i was with joe with uh i just got to get done with this and also how much more worse can this get and i was wrong uh so i was clapping i was applauding i was like they're going for it they're going for the ultimate cheer the spartan spirit and they're all doing their movements together so earnest and the the, the shooter like the question is and I, I hate again it's one thing to be ambiguous to a point but at that point where it's like is the dancing actually doing anything or was this guy so like i don't know what's going on and so the cafeteria guy takes him out but that's what they want you to think <sighs> do they they want you to think because they always talked about the movements and they're like the five movements they're supposed to stop something evil or it's there to prevent something evil from happening and then it's like okay the writers decided to think of the most evil thing that they could you know, chum and they up. made the OA, but then they, at that point they had a school shooting, in and it. then they then they threw a school shooting in it. So it's like, <laughs> is this guy just befuddled because people are dancing in the cafeteria during this, or is there something more mystical going on that froze him and stopped him? It that's what they want the viewer to kind and, of figure out. The movements aren't that much different from when Napoleon Dynamite was doing the Happy Hands. You're club. right. It's, and it's like he, and that's the thing. It's just and so. They they stopped like the shooter stopped. I'm not saying they stopped the shooter. I'm saying the shooter stopped. The shooter stopped. Yeah. There's only one bullet fired. It it it, it hit Brett Brett Marling whatever which, Prairie. Which which randomly she showed up outside. Oh, that's all. You know what? I'm past that. That that made no sense. How she was kind of under house arrest and ran across town. Whatever. Yeah, anyway. anyway, so. <laughs> She's in the ambulance. They're 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 like because she's she shot, you know. So that's you know, I'm like, I I'm never usually that like that like I shouldn't be happy that characters are shot, but I'm like I'm glad she was shot anyway. And the ambulance going away, angry boys chasing after her. All of them are chasing after. Her, and Mary looks at me. She's like, why are they chasing after? And I was like, Mary, they have to form the Mechazord now because they've done all the dancing. Now they got to form the Power Rangers thing, you know. So. It's just this whole thing of like they kind of be they believe now and then she's like oh like I'm on my way and it's like you know whatever so it's like for someone that was always about dying all the time she found a really good way out which is just getting shot in the heart you yeah. know and whatever um, everyone's like oh this this impressive moment whatever and then the, the screen kind of goes to black and then it comes back up and there's the cliffhanger of what happens and she's, st and, and she's standing there out of context even though she's shot staring at the audience staring at the audience and she says Homer yeah like, and it's like oh did she find homer what happened oh my god uh, what if one of the realities that she ended up in springfield that, that would be, be funny yeah no but so that's the oa yeah. i'm sorry it's that took scene. so long no i feel what is it oh god i feel yeah, really bad yeah. that we talked about this show for almost over an hour on top of news but like and i'm sure some people probably shut us off which i don't know or maybe some people were like i gotta go watch this train wreck that they're talking about I don't know. I hope I hope you guys got some enjoyment out of us bitching about a show on Netflix. So it, uh, uh, I want to. 
again, I don't like the idea that they think that somehow they are just like, you know what? We we have this idea. It's this, this amazing idea, this strong idea that you can make up your own mind about what happened. And it's this important new agey thing that this is the same shit that you'd see like going to a gas station where you just see like that really shitty picture of an angel. And it's like, you know what? I got to buy that air freshener. That's what this feels like to me. Yeah, is I that agree Or with a prism with like a single feather and a dream catcher, all that garbage, right? This, and it feels like it's trying to be like, oh, you can't call us out on it because you can't, you can't really say what happened. It's nope. like I can call you out on it because your writing's garbage yeah. and your dialogue's you garbage, a, right? And if you got and, a group of people together, that's why the uh, like you talk to your friend Kevin, um, my buddy who recommended it liked it, and it's just like it's up to everybody's interpretation. But like, I agree with that to a point, but I also think that after like most of the people have said, you know what? Yeah, it was weird, but I thought it was okay. It's like, and I can't tell somebody to not have a feeling about something, but at the same time, it's like, you can't just forgive something because it's being aloof. Meaning like, um, it's one thing to not be giving all the information as a viewing of a movie, because sometimes it's better for you to try to determine what happened. Like, like example, Donnie Darko, you don't ultimately know what happened to Donnie, but you get the idea that at least the story itself is complete. Mm-hmm. You don't, and, and it also dealt with like quantum stuff and it dealt with like time, but it, it also dealt with a dance troupe too, oddly enough, but a sparkle motion. But like that felt like at least there was character there. There was something going on and it was a journey and you could still be like, I don't know exactly what happened, but at least I got some kind of resolution. Um, not the same type of movie, but like uh, like Primer. That's like that is a movie that deals with Primer science, hurts with, with, my head. But it doesn't but not in a bad way. Like the, it, it, did. the movie's completed. Like you finish it. You're like, oh, I may have understood exactly what was going on there, but I got I got what was going on. Yes. You know, and I feel like like leaving things vague just for the sake of like, oh, this will make us yeah, mysterious that's a, and Well, more that's important. the thing about the show that I think that we, we do hate. Other than the, the the logic holes and the writing, I mean, which was bad, but like they do leave it too vague and too open to interpretation. And it's fine if you want to leave some things to open to interpretation. Like we always talk about the end of the thing. You know, people argue it's like, who's the thing? Is it, is it Keith David or is it Kurt Russell? Who's the th- one of them's the thing? You know, that's left to interpretation, but you still know what went on there. Yeah, and the, and the whole, and the whole system tr- movie was yeah. identity and, even, what, and who to trust. Even Blade Runner, it's like, is he? And unfortunately, we're probably going to find out. <laughs> yeah, now. But now, either way, though, but, yeah. It, you, no, you're right. Like, and I know those are movies, but it's like, it just, I feel like you need to hold this thing's feet to the fire and then dance and heal it later. But no, you got to hold its feet to the fire. And, and, and actually ask itself, it's like, was this worth me watching? Was it satisfactory? And just because there is a vague ending, because it's supposed to be a cliffhanger, because you know they want to make more of this garbage, that that just because there's a cliffhanger, does that mean that the story itself has to go on? Like, I, and 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 then also, like, what's going to happen to the rest of the Midnight Society? Like, I Steve's going to go to military school. He should. He should go to prison for what he did to that kid. You know, and it's that's like, so much more than what he did to that kid made me so angry off the rip. And I think, and I think it's funny that they were. It's like I don't know why they had to use like punching a a completely innocent kid's throat. That that clearly like ruined his 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 love of life because he he was good at singing yeah you know to uh, a school shooting I don't know why they had to use that and also none of the the, the people she collected had a near death experience 
Yeah. Which that seems to be the key to everything, right? Right. It's like, you know, it'd be funny if her movements fail and that's the end of it. Yeah. Right. So I just, I hate like, okay. And not, not to hold this up because it's completely different, even though Netflix doesn't want you to think this. Cause I found this out uh, with stranger things, I guess in episode four of the OA, there's a conversation going on in the foreground and stranger things is playing on a TV. I didn't pick up on that. I didn't pick up on um, that either. So, but they, they want this so bad to be, to catch that, that riptide of uh stranger things, like catching everybody off guard. And I'm not saying everything in Stranger Things is explained. I'm saying that from the perspective of these four kids that were playing Dungeons and Dragons, they needed to try to quantify in their mind that something's not right. They found an explanation that works for them. But Stranger Things was a fun ride. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, like calling something upside down doesn't mean that that's like they they just knew it was someplace else. Yeah. And they knew that like something bad was there and just because they call it the demigorgon doesn't mean that's what that thing's that's actually not a called. demigorgon right you know everybody like, knows that yeah but the well, point I, is like I, I you, you, know, you know what i mean though it's like yeah. they they were they were figuring this out as they went along and they weren't even sure what was going on they just believed i, I guess that's the same thing happens with the oa but it's like i felt like the grounding there was better i feel like the decisions there make sense ultimately there's probably one or two that are a little weird especially with the mom buying all the lights all the time like you know yeah. whatever but anyway. i liked i i like joyce being super batshit crazy it, it was fine it was fine it just um it felt like there was more there uh i hate i hate science fiction that isn't science fiction that tries using like fantasy to explain away the science like and someone quoted Thor to me where they're like, well, maybe maybe this is just science we don't understand, and that's funny. But it's like I feel like quantum physics is like the way hand waving and everything now. It's like, oh, it's quantum. You don't have to figure it out. Just got to believe. Maybe there is a heaven. I'm the original angel. These are the other angels, and we eat at Olive Garden. Like I just it just felt so. I I, I hate things that try to be smarter than they are in terms of if if. Like I, I guess I, I guess I try to be smarter than I am all the time too because I mean, you know I want to have an, an, an intellectual conversation, but I don't like it when it's trying to like shove it in your face of how important they are, how smart they are. I will say two things in closing this. One, I think that this would have worked way better as a book because then you would have had mm. more time to actually kind of dive in and feel the experience of what they're going yeah, through. Yeah, and I think it could have been pieced around better. Yeah, because it, it did play out like a book in a terms of like the way that they kind of jump around, it's like you could read a chapter where it's like, you know, back in the cages and, or, uh, yeah, yeah. The, or the, we go back to present time with Phyllis and the kids at high school. I feel like it would have been a better book. I'm not saying it would have been a good book. I'm saying it would have been better as a book. Yeah. You could have thought it out better. And I will say this too, and this is my final thought on this as we dance our way to the next segment. Um, I will take 10 OAs versus one Fuller house because at least oh. as, as shitty as this is, and it makes me as mad as it is. It's an attempt at something original that at least has a conversation attached to it, as opposed to just recycling shit we've seen before. I give you that. That's that's like so. After this hour of ranting on it, at least there's something there. Like I, if 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 Netflix took a chance on this, and they also took a chance on Stranger Things, and then there's that other show that just came out, that Passenger show that there's like twelve episodes up. Maybe that's good. Maybe it's not. But then we at least have things like the Man in the High Castle. We have other things that are challenging that are different different storytelling elements that are because we're at a point now in television where you can have all these different setups like did you see the golden globe nominations for best television series i didn't look at the golden globe um, nominations four of the five of them were either cable or streaming services nice and like the only one uh the only one that was right like there's one uh, um that nbc show uh the rest of us that's not it what's it called the story of us 
Oh, okay. That's the <laughs> the Last of Us. No, the, the story of us. Um, that's the only show and and, and and broadcast cable that was nominated for Golden Globe for best show, best drama. Like you had Westworld, uh, you had um, there's a couple other things. It's like so we're at a point now where we can have these different different things and it can be good. It's just that so the OA swung and missed. That's fine, swing and miss. I just don't want anybody coming to this being like, man, that thing blew my mind. It was so different and so yeah. highfalutin. And there's going to be that one person, unfortunately, well, that's going to watch this and be like, this is my favorite thing. Why? Because grandma might still be out there. Yeah. I, well, I agree with you. I think I like that it opens up conversation. Um, and I'm happy that people are able to, um, like, you know, argue about like, you know, well, I think it's this. I think she's crazy. I don't think she's crazy. That's what it should do. But I don't think that it should be weighed in as heavily as I think it is getting. Yeah, that's the problem. I don't just like I just my thing. If you guys watch this and clearly you may or may not want to. I don't know. But if you do, don't let them pull the, the wool over your eyes when it comes to music and pacing, making you believe that a situation actually is earnest and deserving of more emotion than it is. Because that's bullshit, and they did that numerous times in this, where it's like, if we add strings to this, it's somehow important. It's like, no. Music does accentuate a moment, right? But it's like, well, it, it sounds like it shouldn't just be like this is important. This is important. This is important. This is important. You know, like that's what sounds it felt like, like. It sounds like it's a better filmmaking around a bad writing. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it feels like they they're like, wow, this is some segmented oh. horseshit here. I guess we better. Uh, All right. Yeah. Anyway, we, we so. need to we need to wrap it up. So. Yeah. Sorry. So Joe's going to move his hands up and down, and and, and I'm going to make like a triangle. I'm going to do the DDP diamond cutter symbol. <laughs> bang! Bang! It's and me. It, and now we're done with this. So all right. After that crazy, we're going to move on to some other crazy. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Out of my eyes! My eyes! Ah! Ah! Were they stinging him? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so Nicolas Cage, the man, the myth, the legend, his birthday is here on the 7th. Uh, we were going to do a whole Cage uh, show, but... I realized, see, here's the deal I made with the devil. It's like, I can't watch like 10 hours of Nicolas Cage movies. I'll watch the OA. I kind of almost wish I would have went back and just watched The Rock seven times. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, so we're going to celebrate Nicolas Cage's birthday. I got a quiz for Joe. Yeah. Um, it's 10 questions. We'll, like, so it's, it won't take that long. Yeah. Uh, so this one, I'll ask this one. Some of these you, you won't know, but I wanted to see if, if you could figure out. Yes, right? multiple choice. Yeah. yeah. What famous Hollywood family is Nicolas Cage from? Oh, the Coppolas. There you go. You got that. So your choices were Scorsese, Gable, and DeMille. I don't know. Yeah, Let's track yeah, Nicholas Coppola. I do know. I don't know if this is one of your questions. I know why he chose Cage, but. No, it's not one of them. I figured you'd do that one. That's yeah, why. Because yeah. of Luke Cage, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what film was Nicolas Cage researching the role for, but stepped aside to let someone else have it? Here's your options. Mm. Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. Ed Norton's character in American History X, um, Mickey Rourke on The Wrestler, and Jeff Goldblum's character in Jurassic Park. Uh, I, uh, I I know it's not Jurassic Park or Iron Man, um, but I, I want to say it's uh, The Wrestler. You're right. Yeah. He uh, he was actually signed to be part of it and was actually, I guess that he was at a Ring of Honor show. Someone found him, like tried to do research, and he was like, you know what? I can't put on the bulk. And I also know that he knew Mickey Rourke really wanted this part, and he felt and and uh, Darren Aronofsky was like, "This is kind of the guy I want." So he stepped aside. Like that's a kind of a class move. Like he could have held him to the contract. 
that would have been a weird movie, like being him. Oh, no, the Wrestler's a really good movie. Oh, it's a really good movie. Um, which Eddie Murphy film was uh, Nicolas Cage a producer on? Was it The Adventures of Pluto Nash, A Thousand Words, Meet Dave, or Norbit? Norbit? No, it was yeah. A Thousand Words. Uh, so <laughs> here's some information about that. That film was finished in 2009, didn't get released to 2012. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a zero rating and it gave it the moldy tomato for worst reviewed film of 2012. Whoa. So I feel bad because Nicolas Cage is like, you know what? I should divest my money a little bit and maybe produce an Eddie Murphy movie. Eddie Murphy's a bankable actor. So bad with his money. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that too later. Uh, how many Golden Raspberry nominations does uh, oh, geez. does he have? Like how many did he win? Oh, actually, is what how many did he win? Okay. Yeah. Got, uh, got, uh, do you want multiple uh, choice? Yeah, okay. I don't have no clue on that. Uh, Two, seven, five, or eleven? Eleven. Five. Ooh. Sub question. Who is he tied with? Uh, I'll give you four names. You okay. guys pick two okay. of them, right? John Travolta, Kevin Costner, Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy. So two of them are he's tied with. I'm gonna say Costner. No. Murphy? No. So you actually picked the two that uh <laughs> I'm sorry, no, no, you're right. Eddie Murphy has five. Sorry. Okay. You're right. So you're half right. Eddie Murphy and John Travolta is tied with. Really? Travolta man. Yeah. Kevin yeah. Costner has seven wins. Whew. Mike Myers has two. You'd think there'd be more there. But yeah. he's only done like three movies. Myers isn't done a lot of movies. Yeah. Uh what other Marvel character was he in the running for? Marvel character? Yeah. So he was Ghost Rider. Right. Right. Um, and he was going to be Superman, but that didn't quite work out. So, but for Marvel characters, was he in the role running for Green Goblin, Loki, the Red Skull, or the Punisher? Punisher, Green Goblin. He was actually approached before they approached Willem Dafoe and decided on him for the Sam Raimi Spider Man. He would been. He would have been a good Green. Goblin. I think he would have been an interesting Norman Osborn. Like uh, just yeah. I actually kind of. I think Willem Dafoe was fine in that movie. I think yeah. he was good. But I kind of this is this is one of the few times I wish they would have actually had Nicolas Cage in it. That'd actually been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, which Nick Cage movie was the last North American release Laserdisc? So the, of, of, of the Laserdisc system, this was the last produced Jeez. North American movie. Was okay. it Face Off, Snake Eyes, City of Angels, or Bringing Out the Dead? Uh, City Angels. Bringing Out the Dead. Mm. Uh, side note to that: that was the movie in which he was being stalked by a mime. Like, not, not in the movie, in real life. And he didn't know what was going on. So they eventually, he told security, they eventually scared the guy off, but he was being stalked by a mime. That is the most Nicolas Cage story I've ever heard. That is a Nicolas yeah. Cage story. All right. Um, <laughs> how does Nicolas Cage personally describe his acting style? Is it, <laughs> is it future Shakespearean? Neoclassical dogmatic? Novu shamanic? Or... Hammier than a pig stuffed with a pig made of bacon. Hammy. <laughs> Novu shamanic. Oh, yeah, right. I, I I just like saying hammier than a pig stuck stuffed with bacon. Anyway, um, which of these items has Nicholas Cage bought? We talked about his money. You know, yeah, he had money problems. Was it uh, two albino cobras? Action Comics number one. A dinosaur skull that he outbid DiCaprio for. A shark. Probably Action Comics. He did. Actually, he bought all four of those. Wow. <laughs> um, I knew, I remember reading an article about him, and he was really into comics, cars, and castles, and I didn't yeah. know what castles meant. So I don't um, know if he owns a castle. All right. That, that leads to the next question. Which of these properties did Nicolas Cage buy? <laughs> um, a haunted mansion in New Orleans? 
a private island near Timbagraw and Faith Hill's own private island, a 12-bedroom, 12-bathroom house bordering a bird sanctuary, a German castle. German castle? All four of those. Damn, he is so bad with his money. (laughs) That's ridiculous. All right, last question. This one's a little goofy. Uh, What instrument did he learn to play from scratch in order to help play a role? Was it a guitar for the rock, a harp for City of Angels, a guitar for Valley Girl, or a mandolin for Captain Corelli's mandolin? I think it was a guitar. It was a mandolin for was Captain it? Corelli's mandolin. Yeah. I figured that'd be the obvious one. So, oh. anyway, uh, I, I was telling Joe I fell down a cage hole. I was reading all about him. I honestly could say, um, like, even in his worst movies, I still like him a lot. Like, I, I can't help it. Like, he, there's something about him that I'm just happy that it's Nicolas Cage. And he, he, as reading some of his quotes, basically he said that he he learned a while ago that the most famous actors, the ones that he also respected a lot, had their own way of saying things, like their own type of cadence, so he made up his own. And that's why he has that kind of Nicolas Cage delivery, because he wanted his own unique delivery. And he also is kind of just like, what was it? Uh, he, he just, he is very serious by his roles, but also just realizes he's like, you know, you can only do what you can with what you have. Like for um, The Wicker Man, He's like, making it, we thought it was a little absurd, but we were trying to take it seriously. He's like, but you can't say that while you're making the movie. And that is one of the worst things I've ever seen, but also one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So Yeah, he, he definitely is an icon for good or bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. so anyway, the happy birthday, Nicholas Cage. Happy birthday. I hope you have some money. Because like, if you look at his production slate, like there he was doing like one or two movies a year there for a while. Now he has like five that are in post production for twenty seventeen. Like I gotta respect that, even though he might be making shit, he's paying the bills. Like he didn't pull a Wesley Snipes and just go to jail. You yeah. Know? So yep. he's yeah. got to pay for that castle and the island and. Well, he sold all of that eventually, and he sold his copy of Action Comics. Like he bought it for like a hundred fifty thousand and ended up selling it for like two point five million. Like oh, so, that's wow. a good. That was a good investment. I'm surprised he did that because his son's named Kal-El. Yeah, and that was one. Like, if you look at his like times of like, acquisitions and selling things, that was one of the more recent ones. So you could tell he really didn't want to get rid of that. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, Nicholas Cage, happy birthday. Uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh, check us out on our, our Facebook page. Uh, we are on in, uh, invasionofpodcast.com. We're on Twitter at Invading Podcast. If you've seen the OA, my apologies, but feel free to talk to us about it on on the page. Uh, next week. We are going to be talking about the running game man. Shows. And, oh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to talk about the running man because that movie's set in 2017. Figure it's a little on the nose, but it'd be perfect. I feel like that movie's more. Let us more, know who your favorite stalkers are. Yeah. <laughs> I think this movie actually has more weight now than it did then in, in a weird kind of way. It holds up. It's some of the stuff it was predicting like, isn't too far out, you yeah. know? And I think it'd be fun to maybe have a little bit of a conversation about other movies we love that were set in the future that are 20 years ago. Okay. Like Escape from New York, maybe mentioned in passing, yeah. some other things. Yeah. So Running Man next week. So uh, if you guys have not watched that recently, check it out. That movie holds up. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we're going we're gonna to dance our way out of here. We're going to be committing the seventh movement on the way out. So <laughs> just close your eyes uh, and, and, and trust us. Trust even though, us, even though you don't. And then try to imagine us doing a podcast <laughs> yeah dance dance
Oh, what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Oh, my God!